0: This is never going to get old.
1: <laughs> but I'm also depressed.
0: I'm sure this makes it more fun for you at home.
1: I think it's inevitable.
0: Welcome to Up Yours Downstairs, the podcast that is conceived and given birth to a mighty child. I'm Kelly Anakin. And I'm
1: Tom Schneider. We
0: are properly married.
1: I have seen this in Italy. It leads to death and destruction.
0: Whoa, I don't think Italy has the market cornered on matrimony, Tom.
1: <laughs> I guess that's true.
0: Also, what do you have planned?
1: Uh, some death and destruction. I, you know.
0: Mm. Well, don't you? <laughs> well, generally I plan on pizza and beer.
1: Ooh. Uh, okay, Doesn't you know what? does that
0: sound a lot better? Yeah,
1: I'm going over to your plan now. And more
0: Italian than death and destruction. <laughs> that is true. To be true. perfectly honest. Yeah. So I think in Italy they call it birra.
1: That at least in chain Italian restaurants, that's what they call it. Correct. So,
0: are you from Italy? <laughs> Do you know what they call beer? If so, we want to hear your
1: story. Yeah, I don't know if anybody listening to this is from Italy. However, <laughs> I can tell you that we have added two new countries to our list of listeners, uh, and they are Mongolia and Panama. Wow! So uh, to you, I say tavtai moriloktun. And bienvenidos.
0: Ah, huh. well that's very uh, multicultural of you, Tom. I
1: uh, I know how to use the internet.
0: Good for you. Yes. I don't. <laughs> it's my greatest <laughs> failing as a human. Well, we have some telegrams from our cousins to get into uh, before we get into our recap of Titanic Blood and Steel, mm-hmm. or as we like to call it, Titanic BS. <laughs> First up, we have a telegram from cousin Megan. Hi, cousins. I'm a fellow Bay Area cousin, and I adore your podcast and have listened to each one repeatedly. My only complaint is having to wait two weeks between episodes during the hiatus. I get excited on Monday mornings when I know a new episode is due out. But of course, you guys deserve some time off, and I'll suck it up. I'm writing to suggest a film that I just discovered, and I thought you guys might consider covering on the podcast. It's available on Netflix streaming, and it's called Cheerful Weather for the Wedding. I think it's set closer to 1930, and therefore might not fall under your preferred jurisdiction. But between the drop-waist satin wedding dress that smacks of Lady Edith, the upper-class hijinks taking place in a large country house, a kitchen maid lazily plucking some sort of large bird a la Manor House, who happens to look exactly like the frisky buxom maid from Gosford Park, and, drumroll please, the mother of the bride being played by none other than Elizabeth McGovern slash McGee. It was so hard to watch this film and not think about you guys tearing at a new one. <laughs> McGee sticks to a pretty standard English accent this time, thank goodness. Like all British costume dramas, you'll undoubtedly recognize every single middle-aged actor in the cast and enjoy trying to remember which production of Jane Austen you last saw them in. So whether or not you review it on the podcast, I recommend you guys give this quick 90-minute film a look. Though it's not the best movie made in this era by any means, it certainly beats all those titanics. Thanks again for all the time you guys devote to entertaining and educating us Anglophiles. Cheers, Cousin Megan. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. It does sound fantastic. Uh, so we'll kind of see how things go. Our schedule yeah. got a little screwy. It did. Uh, because we were going to bring Sam Roth in to guest, but he wasn't available this week mm-hmm. to guest. So it's going to be, you know, Titanic, Blood and Steel. Yeah,
1: we still got a lot of Titanics to get There's through. There's so
0: <laughs> much Titanic, you guys. It's like it's like the unsinkable pop cultural phenomenon.
1: It is. But yeah, that, that does sound interesting. Well... It, it may, I think it may sneak in under the wire of, of being in our oh, yeah. preferred period. Oh, yeah. Totally. So, I mean, it's not a country house. We're, we'll, we'll, yeah,
0: I mean, Gosford Park was set later than this. Yeah. I assume.
1: Was it? I'd,
0: I... Gosford Park was set in the 30s, not super close to World War II, but it was definitely in the lead up.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, that's right, because Clara Bow was a yeah. bit established by that yes. point. Yes. Yeah. All right. Cool. Okay. Next, we have a telegram from Cousin Scott, who writes, Dearest Cousins, since you asked for my story, perhaps this is a bit later on, the dawning of World War II, but consider the now-defunct but otherwise brilliantly done new BBC Upstairs Downstairs, which features the political and social implications of a lesbian relationship in the second season. I don't want to spoil it in hopes that you will cover the show. As noted before, there is much gold to mine in this series, and it is short enough that you can cover it. Three episodes in first, season six, in the second, I believe. Nine hours total. It should be a nice placeholder for Downton, and Tom would have great opportunities to repeat history, and maybe there could be a little bit of fashion backwards to boot. No pun intended there. One particularly interesting conceit is that Queen Elizabeth II's uncle is featured prominently. He is the younger brother of Edward VIII, so we get to hear about and see all the carryings on with Wallace Simpson. There is a nice blend of servants' lifestyle and aristocracy engaging in service to country, or not. Well drawn characters to root for and against, like Downton. And a main character dies, probably just in time for Christmas. Your Kentucky cousin, Scott.
0: I have to say, I'm much more interested in the new upstairs, downstairs, if there's lesbians.
1: Well, that's true.
0: I mean, that's true for almost everything.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. But in particular, it is something that we have not yet seen. Indeed. Except, you know, possibly Miss Rebellious.
0: Yes, although we have not delved yeah. into her lifestyle. Yeah,
1: or the political or social implications that there might be.
0: One thing uh, we should mention, several cousins chimed in on Facebook to let us know uh, that they found out Mr. Selfridge's second season is going to do a five-year time jump. Yes. So we're going to be in the midst of World War I at that point.
1: Yes. Uh, apparently Jeremy Piven said that in one of his interviews and we can only watch so much of Jeremy Piven's interviews I'm not sure I
0: trust him I feel like this is some sort of horrible prank they're like no 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 tell him it's going to be a five year time jump he'll totally believe us Uh, but at any rate he comes
1: in in age makeup (laughs) he's an old man but uh, yeah upstairs downstairs interesting
0: yeah we'll uh put that on the docket mm-hmm. it's kind of been on the docket it has we just been. keep putting it off
1: i mean we own the team
0: we do own it that's true well next we have a telegram from cousin heather hello cousins kelly and tom first off i want to thank you for your excellent podcast i love your witty insights and find your snarkiness delightful As someone who has lived her whole life in Cincinnati, I find your references to the area highly amusing. Even though I grew up in Anderson, I spent a great deal of my childhood in Carthage and St. Bernard, because that's where my parents grew up. In fact, my dad and uncles went to Roger Bacon. My mom went to OLA, so she's sort of a Roger Bacon alum, too. Okay, enough about Cincinnati area high schools, and on to the main reason for this letter. I went to the library's used book sale today and found quite the little gem. A book from 1972 called Upstairs, Downstairs 2 in my lady's chamber. Oh, I have attached a picture of the cover because it's amazing, although not quite as amazing as the description, which is as follows. Upstairs, Downstairs 2 follows the entertaining television series through more of the scandalous escapades that threaten to tarnish the reputation of the aristocratic Bellamy family upstairs the bellamy family is shocked and embarrassed to discover that elizabeth the only daughter of lady marjorie and richard had married a man who refuses to give her a child the marriage doomed from the start comes to a crashing end when once again elizabeth refuses to be bound by edwardian conventions meanwhile lady marjorie finds herself bedeviled by past sins when an old love affair with a man young enough to be her son returns to haunt her As one of the most beautiful, most respected women in London society, she cannot afford the public humiliation it may cause. Downstairs, life is equally alive. (laughs) On the lighter side, there's the day Mr. Hudson, the intrepid butler, puts on a show for his successful brother who mistakenly believes Hudson is high up in social circles. Then, more seriously, a former Bellamy parlor maid named Sarah Moffat sets everybody abuzz when she announces she's pregnant by James, the Bellamy's son. Richard desperately tries to convince Sarah that because of her low social station, marrying his son is out of the question. However, Sarah is not easily convinced. In fact, marrying James is exactly what she has in mind. Ellipses! (laughs) Oh, the Edwardian shenanigans. I can't wait to read this and I'll let you know if it's as incredible as it sounds. (laughs) Thanks again for the wonderful podcast. Your Cincinnati cousin, Heather. P.S. I too was obsessed with Titanic when it came out. I saw it countless times in the theater, saw the traveling exhibit, and bought the two VHS tapes from Blockbuster where I had pre ordered it. Oh, and I printed out the entire script just to prove a bitchy classmate wrong who swore Rose was supposed to be 20 and wouldn't believe me without proof. Good times.
1: Uh, Okay. First off, uh, there's a function when you print that you can only print, you you can choose to print just one page. Just FYI.
0: It might have been a dot matrix printer. You don't know.
1: (laughs) No, I, I know. Um, Times were different I enjoyed that description I enjoyed the uh, husband that refused to give her a child Just because I imagine him With like a collection of children Like in a room (laughs) And she's like give me one He's like no I won't give you any of them
0: (laughs) They're mine I say mine (laughs) Yes well I guess we'll have to watch the original Upstairs Downstairs So we can fully appreciate the genius of this book
1: Yeah I would think It
0: seems to be the case
1: Yeah Next we have a telegram from cousin Anne Who writes "'Dearest Cousins Kelly and Tom, "'I've been delighted with your Up Yours podcast "'through three seasons of Downton Abbey "'and then through the first season of Mr. Selfridge. "'Thank you for the historical information "'as well as the many, many laughs "'that you provide in your commentary. "'I've never had reason to send you a telegram before "'until this evening, "'as I return from seeing a very non-Edwardian moving picture, "'World War Z.'" What makes it germane to up yours is that right there in the middle of the movie, while Brad Pitt was flying around the globe saving the world from a zombie infection, appears Mr. LeClaire. Naturally, my entire focus immediately had to turn from worrying about the human race to worrying about Mr. LeClaire. My companion in the theater had no idea what I meant, as I kept saying, "'Please don't get Mr. LeClaire,' or "'Good God, that is a beautiful man,' or "'Stay away from Mr. LeClaire!' In my excitement, I'm afraid I may have disturbed some of my fellow moviegoers. However, in my defense, Mr. LeClaire was irresistible with his five o'clock shadow and military uniform. There are few men who can make women, and men, forget that Brad Pitt is even on the screen. Just thought that you would all like to know, and yes, I do recommend the movie. Very frightening. I will not spoil and tell the fate of Mr. LeClaire in this movie. Have a wonderful week, and thank you for all of your hours of enjoying shows. Cousin Anne from Katy, Texas.
0: Well, first of all... The official position of Up Yours Downstairs <laughs> is anti the movie version of World War Z. Right. Although we do recommend the book without reservation. Yeah, absolutely. We were just discussing the other day that I think it's one of my top five favorite books.
1: Yeah, it's it's a it's fantastic phenomenal. book. Phenomenal. And clearly incapable of being made into a movie. Yes. But.
0: Uh, however, I kind of want to go see the movie <laughs>
1: Because
0: Mr. LeClaire! That's, uh... Five o'clock shadow, Mr. LeClaire? Like, ooh la la...
1: It makes a compelling argument.
0: Very compelling. Uh, also, it is not hard to make people forget that Brad Pitt is in a movie, I think, if Brad Pitt has the same unfortunate haircut that he has <laughs> in World War II. Yeah. I just like, I like to think that Brad Pitt just showed up to do that role, <laughs> right. and they were like, so what's with your hair? And he's like, what? Just Let's just make this what's movie. What's with your hair? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I married Angelina Jolie, okay? I'm I can Bra- do whatever I want.
1: I'm Brad Pitt.
0: Next, we have a telegram from Cousin Karen. Dear Cousins, uh, Mr. Grove can go die in a fire. I'm actually writing this while watching the last episode, and I just had to get that out of my system. Seriously, he doesn't deserve Doris, and Miss Myrtle should have just taken the opportunity alone in her house to kick him in the balls repeatedly. That should take care of his childbearing years seriously despite the show's unevenness at times i have been totally sucked in cringing at pretty much everything ellen love does and harry and Rose's extramarital dalliances and shipping agnes and monsieur leclerc like fedex a ship which is sinking like the titanic before my very eyes as i write this sob i've even fallen in love with most of the secondary characters who could resist mr crab demonstrating a curtsy well fallen in love with them except for mr grove seriously i hope he dies in some horribly embarrassing way a few days after the wedding so doris inherits everything i can't wait to listen to your episode about the finale and can we have season two right now please i'll pledge to pbs and they won't even have to send me a tote bag Oh, and I was re-listening to the last few podcasts, and you mentioned that there was a dress that Rose Selfridge was wearing that looked like one McGee wore. There's actually a Tumblr called Recycled Movie Costumes that posts examples of costumes used in different TV shows and movies. There's quite a few from Downton and Mr. Selfridge, including the dress you mentioned. You can find it at recycledmoviecostumes.tumblr.com. Love the podcast. Canadian cousin Karen. P.S. Having listened to part of the latest podcast, I have another title to add to the suggestion list if it's not already on it. After hearing about Tom's fascination for Shackleton and Antarctic exploring, there is the A&E miniseries Shackleton starring Kenneth Branagh. I'd actually forgotten that I had it on DVD, and now I think I'll have to watch it again as I remember it being good. It seems like a good choice for hiding from the sun and humidity in my air-conditioned family room.
1: Well, thank you. First of all, thank you for reminding me about Shackleton, because I never saw it when it came out. I just missed it or whatever, and I had totally forgotten about it. And
0: You I'm, love Kenneth Branagh. I
1: love Kenneth Branagh. I love Shackleton. I Look, I don't know whether we'll cover it on this podcast, but I'm going to watch it. Oh,
0: he's definitely going to watch <laughs> it. Uh, and... Thank you so much for the recommendation of recycledmoviecostumes.tumblr.com. Mm-hmm. I feel very, you know, oh, special that I yeah. pointed it out, like, without Pe- even knowing this was a thing.
1: Like, take a bow. That's, yeah, that's pretty I feel really,
0: I feel very good yeah. about myself. Uh, so, Canadian Cousin Karen, you will be sharing Cousin of the Week honors this week with the writer of the next letter. So, take it away, Tom.
1: Okay. And that comes from Cousin Danelle, who writes... Hi, Kelly and Tom. After hearing other cousins recommended, I watched the Foresight saga recently and was surprised to see Irene Foresight in what appeared to be one of Rose Selfridge's dresses. When Rose was tending to bedridden Harry, her outfit caught my eye because there was something 1970s hippie-like about it, with its peasant gauzy qualities and red, blue, and green flowers embroidered about the neckline, and I wondered if it was designed to give viewers a subtle hint about the true nature of Mrs. Selfridge. How very surprised I was to see what appeared to be the same gown in episode one of season two on the stately star of the 2002 miniseries. Somehow, i had imagined that each television production or movie had costumes designed just for them. I guess that was a silly notion. In trying to learn more about this phenomenon, I made a great discovery in this Tumblr blog, recycledmoviecostumes.tumblr.com, and I'm confident that some of our other cousins will enjoy perusing it. There are many photos there of actors in matching attire. Highlights include side by side snapshots of Elizabeth McGovern as Cora Crawley and Frances O'Connor as Rose Selfridge in a lacy black creation, which I think I remember Kelly spotting and commenting upon in a podcast, as well as Sonia, the chaperone of Anna Pavlova, donning a hand-me-down from Maggie Smith's Violet of Downton Abbey, and then there is Ellen Love. She is number six in line for one of her ensembles, which seems somehow unhappily appropriate. I hope you will get a time to look at this priceless site. There are more treasures to be found there from Downton Abbey and Mr. Selfridge, as well as other costume dramas that many of us know and love. Thanks again for all you do. Cousin Dunnell.
0: No, that was so funny. I was checking the email. We got these almost simultaneously, Mm -hmm. but I'm very excited to delve into it. I only looked at it very briefly. But I, that's the kind of thing that I love because I knew, mm-hmm. you know, I was aware that there was some swapping that happened,
1: right? Uh, but I
0: had no idea there was this website that is tracking it. Yeah, and that's exactly the kind of weird minutia that I enjoy getting into. So. No, that's
1: that's that is exciting. Yeah. All
0: right. Well, thank you so much for writing in, cousins. As always, you can get in touch with us via carrier pigeon. Or Twitter, as some of you like to call it. We're at five Maggie Smiths. That's at five, the number five Maggie Smiths. You can just search up yours downstairs on Facebook to find our fan page, or you can get at us with a telegram at up yours downstairs at gmail.com.
1: Yes, indeed. And that brings us to Titanic. <gasps> Blood and steel. Blood
0: and steel! Yes. Oh, man. Okay, so check it, cousins. So we watched this episode a while back.
1: A month or two.
0: But I think we were, like, really drunk or something. We
1: think so, yes.
0: I'm going to say probably. Yeah. Uh, and we didn't like it that much. But right. But then when we watched it again today to do this podcast, we, like, love it.
1: Yeah, which was very encouraging because we've sort of been like dreading, like, what if it's 10 episodes and we don't like any of them, you yeah. know? Yeah, but that,
0: that I don't think is going to be the case. Yeah. And yeah. I I said this while we were watching it, but I think Stars is starting to kind of, you know, get a little bit more cachet. Mm-hmm. And I think their production values are improving. Yeah. I mean, we've certainly come a long way from the Kennedys. <laughs> that cannot be denied. But this show is kind of like the Oz of Stars. Mm mm-hmm. uh, Like, it's mostly good. They have some actors with a pedigree, but also, like, everybody's eye-fucking all the time. Right. Even when the text doesn't necessarily support it.
1: Right. Like, just somebody kept coming through during every shoot and was like, why is there no sexual tension in this scene?
0: Yeah. And they're like, like, but there's none in that." No! <laughs> sexual tension. Every scene. This is stars, damn it.
1: These character's never gonna meet again.
0: <laughs> well, they can think about it. <laughs> Yeah, and it also,
1: uh, it has a, uh, interesting cinematography. The The choices they made for the look.
0: I mean, I think it looks pretty good in general. Right. But the color saturation is like just on the wrong side of the uncanny color saturation valley. <laughs> right. It's just a little bit too Zack Snyder.
1: Yeah, no, it definitely, I was definitely had a Sin City vibe yeah. to it. And I think, you know, I think part of why they did that was so that, to to sort of blur the edges between their CGI shots and their non-CGI shots. And I have
0: to say the CGI does look fairly indistinguishable from the rest of it.
1: Agreed. So, yeah. I mean, so to that extent, it works. Not a terrible works.
0: choice, but it just is kind of weird in places.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know.
0: But in general, we like the production values.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, episode one is titled A City Divided. More th- like
0: a shitty divided. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was unfounded.
0: I know. Um,
1: and yeah, I think I'm excited to be covering a series with episode titles.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, don't,
1: I don't know why, but I am. And so we open in a boardroom looking place, and uh, some guy is saying that they have birthed a gigantic child... And he says that it's not just this ship that has a backbone of steel, but the men that made it too. So Boy, whoever that seems uncomfortable. Whoever this guy is, he really doesn't understand biology. No. He is way off base.
0: <laughs> like, the limitations of Edwardian medicine are well known to us, but we're pretty sure they'd figured out that Wolverine wasn't real.
1: <laughs> right. And that ships were not birthed by humans, but.
0: Mm, I birthed this ship the other day
1: well why didn't you tell me about it
0: well because i didn't want you to get emotionally attached
1: <laughs> we could have gone on a cruise
0: well that seems like it would have been exploiting my weird ship child <laughs> i'm sure it'll be much happier sailing around the bay
1: at ship school
0: <laughs> boardings boardwalk school oh yeah Oh Hey. snap <laughs> puns we got them
1: that we do Meanwhile, a guy with piercing blue eyes and a trim mustache seems skeptical about the whole deal.
0: And very attractive.
1: He's that's yeah. Un, unquestionably so.
0: Yeah. Clearly this is our hero.
1: Yes. Yeah, so that's that's our cold open then we get the uh the credit sequence
0: solid credit sequence it's it's definitely kind of taking its cue musically from the james cameron titanic Mm. in that it's like a very sweeping orchestral piece and everything is very portentous yeah Uh, but it looks pretty good yeah it's
1: it's solid (laughs) and the first thing we see after the credit sequence (laughs) is kristoff and by noth Noth? No. Noth? Noth?
0: I think it's Noth. Okay. Is- Do you know how to pronounce Chris Noth's <laughs> name? If so, please tell us because we have no idea. Yeah. Um- we have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh- I told you about the puns, right? <laughs> right. Because we got them. You
1: were warned. And when I say Chris Noth, I mean Chris Noth's enormous mustache.
0: Uh, yeah. Starring Chris Noth's fake mustache as Chris Noth. <laughs> right. Because, like, he is not making an effort at all. No, he's he is not. He letting the mustache do the work for him. <laughs> and his mustache is, it. I'll say this much, it doesn't look as good as mustache or Murray's no, mustache. No,
1: absolutely not. But we did
0: have, I think it was Cousin Stephanie wrote in and suggested that we ship those two and call them Murstache. <laughs>
1: That's that's not so a bad is idea. This like
0: great grandpappy mustache. <laughs> like This mustache needs to be tamed.
1: It does. I mean, this mustache is really the Titanic of mustaches. It is indeed. It's gigantic and it's just doomed to failure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of doomed to failure, Chris Noth is portraying J.P. Morgan. Yes. Of the uh, ridiculously wealthy Morgans.
1: Right. The robber bearer Mor- yes. Morgans. Yeah. It, you know, talking to them about the, the new project they're doing, you know, et cetera. This is the biggest ship that the world has ever seen. And here it is. And they unveil a model of the ship.
0: And everybody's like, what is this? A boat for And <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's not very big at all. Like, come on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Unlike his mustache, which is a mustache of unparalleled size and luxury. <laughs> Indeed. You could really take a ride on that mustache.
1: You really could.
0: Uh, I don't think you'd be pleased, though. No. At the end of it.
1: No. Let's move on. (laughs) Uh, We then meet Nev Campbell, who introduces Blue-Eyed Guy to Chris Noth. What I like about Nev Campbell... (laughs) What I like about her... (laughs) Is that she has a very unconvincing American accent, despite being American. I know. It's weird. It's
0: like somebody told her she needed to sound more American. (laughs) Right. But like for her, her subtext to me is always, "I'm acting." Uh, Yeah. And she just seems so pleased that she's still able to act in things. Yeah. Because and look, I don't want anybody to think that I don't love Nev Campbell. Likewise. I loved Party of Five. I loved all the screen movies. Especially Scream 4. Okay. Which should have had a better ending, but I thought she was fine in that. Okay. But it's like, she's trying really hard not to do her sort of like retiring mush mouth thing. Mm-hmm. And it just, uh, she, can't. she she can't. She, she can't do that. That is true. But she is playing a character named Joanna Jaeger. mm mm-hmm. uh, Therefore, I'm calling her Jaegermeister.
1: Right. As you're almost obligated to.
0: I can't see, Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, she is in Northern Ireland. Maybe she'll drop a Jaeger bomb.
1: Oh. Oh! Uh. Yes. <laughs> and uh, she, she introduces Blue Eyes to J.P. Noth. Uh, and Blue Eyes says that he believes that J.P. needs his services. And he's like, what, a, some kind of sex worker? Well, you're cute <laughs> enough.
0: <laughs> he is really cute. Yeah. Um, I mean, come on. You're building a luxury liner. You're probably going to need sex workers.
1: I, you know, you would think i would what that. like what does luxury even mean
0: <laughs> access to sex workers right uh the whole time that blue eyes is interacting with jagermeister his internal monologue is don't look at her boobs don't look at her, <laughs> boobs. her boobs aren't even on display but no. this is what he's thinking yeah because again there just has to be some sort of weird sexual thing under every scene
1: right and there definitely is. Yeah. In, in
0: Well, and there's some weird sexual tension between Jaegermeister and JP Noth to me. hmm Uh I feel that there's something going on there. Yeah. No, there well, is... and she's holding his arm in that scene, which yeah. may have just been you know kind of standard right. you know Edwardian, you know, leeching going on.
1: But... <laughs> yeah. We then cut from this party of rich people to a street of poor people. Hooray! It's as if the city is divided or something. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Shittily. Uh,
1: and Blue Eyes is walking through in a blue suit. Um,
0: uh, again, color saturation. Like, right. That suit is so blue. It is like, it's, it's like from a Joel Schumacher Batman movie. <laughs> Like, that's it's, how blue it is. It is
1: very blue. And what these poor people are doing is waiting to try and get jobs at the shipyard. And there's two people uh, picking people out of the crowd and giving them jobs, one of whom looks uncannily like Stephen Fry. If he
0: had gastric bypass surgery. Right.
1: Like just a thinner Stephen Fry. Mm-hmm. I'm referring to him as Stephen Ovenbake. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Nicely done. Yes. No, uh so they're they're choosing from all of the, you know, the skilled laborers that are, you know, clamoring for jobs. Right. So clearly Belfast is essentially the Edwardian equivalent of Home Depot today. Right. Uh it's very similar. It is. to kind of the scene that you would see at a Home Depot with workers just kind of hanging out there and being like, "Hey, I can do stuff." It's hoping and, to
1: eat today. Yeah,
0: and these dudes being like, "Uh, we are mad with power <laughs> and we like a, you know we like to cause a ruckus
1: yeah they they do then there's a, a runty guy too is, is mm-hmm. part of the action um, and one particular fellow comes up and asks for a job and they take exception to him asking for it for some reason mm-hmm. and like shove him into the dirt uh, and uh, this gets blue eyes morally outraged
0: he gets very morally outraged yes so we know two things about this man blue eyes Moral outrage Indeed This is what he's got to work with
1: <laughs> Right that's, that's not bad Yeah you, you, can, you can work something with that um, But And there's actually I, mean, I did enjoy the sort of standoff there Where uh, The uh, Stephen Ovenbake is kind of getting in his face uh-huh. And he just Puts one hand on his chest And Shoves him back Like not a hard shove Just Moves him back And everybody's like Whoa that was You know yeah. That was a power move
0: Well he's wearing that suit
1: <laughs> Right But then, just as things are starting to get riled up, a carriage arrives and out comes Derek Jacoby. I
0: think it's Jacoby. Is it Jacoby? Do you know how to pronounce any of these people's (laughs) names? Please let us know. We need a phonetic guide <laughs> to the actors who are part of titanic b s
1: yeah, well, we can just switch off because I've been calling him Derek Jacoby for twenty years now. Well, you're not going to stop Jacoby,
0: and Did I assumed she? that she would know what was up Because she's significantly older than both of us.
1: that's true, but doesn't always know what's up.
0: well, that's a fair point
1: um so he he comes up and he riches everybody into calming down and it's they have- a
0: real pyrrhic victory. <laughs> 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 Which is funnier when you know what his character name is.
1: <laughs> yes. He is playing Lord Peary, thus explaining that joke.
0: <laughs> I'm a professional comedian, everybody. I think I know what I'm doing. No, it's like memento. You just have to listen to it backwards.
1: <laughs> we don't recommend listening to our podcast backwards.
0: Uh if you do get ready to hear some satanic messages. <laughs> That's all I'm saying.
1: Yeah, we we're really hoping anybody would not do that. But
0: is that even possible?
1: I mean, it's possible. It just, you know, ends up gibberish played forwards, and then it doesn't really accomplish anything. (laughs) Sounds fun. Yeah, yeah, sure. Get
0: another Pyrrhic victory. (laughs) Boom! Two times a charm. (laughs) What happens,
1: though? Oh, uh, Piri is like, what's all this? And Blue Eyes is like, I'm um, Muir. What's his name? Mark? Mark Muir. Mark Muir. I believe I have an appointment with you. And DJ's like, oh, oh, well, okay.
0: Yeah. And so, come so on you in. know, once again, uh, class solves this problem. Right. Because it's like, oh, well, I was going to box your ears. <laughs> come on, let's go to my office.
1: You're slightly too well off for me to do that.
0: <laughs> so we get a, a scene then in, uh, what's his name, Pierogi?
1: <laughs> what, pieri
0: Yeah. pieri
1: Period, I think
0: Oh, uh, I like pierogi You
1: can call him pierogi Alright,
0: so pierogi's in his office And he's <laughs> giving uh, old Mark Muir the once-over mm-hmm. And uh, trying to find out why exactly it is that J.P. Noth has sent him to Belfast <laughs> Apparently without telling anybody really Like,
1: Yeah, well apparently without telling anybody why Yeah. It's just like, here's this guy, you should probably hire him Yeah And they're like, for what? And he's like, ah, you'll find out when he gets there
0: Yeah, so uh, I
1: have a mustache appointment <laughs>
0: With the <laughs> So he's in there next to the guy that we saw in the very beginning giving the, the pep talk about Spines of Steel and mm-hmm. he looks vaguely constipated.
1: He does. Turns
0: out this is Mr. Thomas Andrews yeah, the more sympathetic character in James Cameron and Julian Fellowes Titanic although mm-hmm. we didn't see him much right. in Julian Fellowes Titanic uh, here cast as a villain yeah, which is uh, quite interesting. It is interesting. It's a very interesting this is the point where I was like oh mm-hmm. this story might Might actually be something we don't already know about Titanic. Mm -hmm. uh, Or at least willing to consider it from Mm. a different vantage point. Right, right. So he is even more angry and perplexed than DJ about why this Mark Muir blue-eyed devil is here. Mm -hmm. You know, and he's saying, oh, you know, he has all this commercial experience. uh, Whereas it seems like Muir had been building ships for the British Empire. Correct. as a Navy. yeah, so he was a, a government contractor, essentially, mm-hmm. uh, which I would imagine gives you a bit more freedom financially. I would think,
1: I mean, I think it's just a different, Yeah. you know, just a whole different environment, yeah.
0: yeah. But uh, DJ is pretty happy about this because he says it'll be nice to have someone with a pure heart on the staff. And I'm like, ah, look, don't be fooled by his piercing blue eyes. <laughs> right. We don't know anything about this fucker.
1: Yeah, you know no more about him than we do.
0: No, but... It must also be said, uh, Derek Jacoby makes everyone in this thing look like a pile of dog. Food. <laughs> like nobody else can stand up to his acting. It's true. I mean he literally seems like they spliced him in <laughs> from a different, better miniseries. Yeah. But and it's mean, not
1: I mean it's not there I, I there weren't any perform well, maybe Nev Campbell that were off putting. Um, particularly I don't think
0: hers was off-putting it just made me sad <laughs> right it just doesn't seem like she has anything going on behind the eyes That's true Um, Uh, Yeah But yeah it's not like Everybody else pretty much Hangs together And they're not Terrible performances It's just that He's so good
1: He really is And I
0: don't think He can help being that good Yeah And I just think It's really impressive That you know Being in this You know Kind of crappy Miniseries (laughs) He still gave it The whole You know The whole nine yards
1: Yeah Well speaking as somebody Who was recently Randomly rewatching Old episodes of Brother Cadfile, Which he was the star of And that was I mean the gulf there Was staggering Mm -hmm. Between him and everybody else In in terms of acting ability
0: so uh just watch everything that he's ever done basically
1: please do <laughs> stop this podcast watch everything he's ever done
0: and then come back okay you're back <laughs> boy wasn't it great watching everything Derek <laughs> COVID was ever in <laughs> what a fun time uh, yes uh,
1: I just imagine everybody like with like gray hair and <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's 50 years of the future <laughs>
1: Flying cars going by the window.
0: this podcast is in like the Smithsonian <laughs> We wish
1: I think it's inevitable <laughs> <laughs> uh there's also a scene in here with uh in sort of the an outer office, I guess, with some desk work happening basically, uh, and we see some uh, some more female characters uh-huh sitting at desks. And uh, one of them says to the other that there is a meeting happening later that they should go to. This, uh, you know, very unspecified meeting. But they're going. Bitches be beaten.
0: Bitches <laughs> do be beaten.
1: They do. Uh,
0: they also be getting bossed around by some imperious white dude. Yes, they do. Uh, but they have. They're they're dealing with the plans for the ship. So this is clearly some extension of the office that Mr. Andrews, the the building firm that Mr. Andrews works for. Which is called Something and Wolf. Harland and Wolf, I think. I think
1: think that's right, yeah. yeah.
0: So uh, Blue Eyes goes into some office, and he opens this box, and he smiles into it. And I'm like, ah, yes, my human head. (laughs) I Take it with me everywhere. It's always brought me luck. Uh, but it's not actually a human head; it's just like a microscope. It
1: is a microscope, and so so he finds this microscope, and he then finds a sense of awe and wonder as he <laughs> <laughs> sees out the window the the shipyard area, you know, which is a pretty gigantic space. That's you know, I would be impressed too. Oh yeah, I, that's that's well, quite a and, sight. Well,
0: and he he seems very happy to be there.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's you know, it is the whole thing he came here for. I'm not sure how the microscope is going to help, as it is. The Titanic. But we well, they have
0: an even tinier model that's visible to the human eye under microscopic magnification.
1: Who finds us best to find all the problems at microscopic scale?
0: It's a tradition.
1: <laughs> it's how we do things in Belfast, sir.
0: <laughs> oh, Belfast. City <laughs> on the grove?
1: Uh That is... I think actually that was, uh, that DJ said that earlier, that it was like, that this is a big thing for the city. And he, yeah. he says it again, So too, they're gentrifying so. Belfast. <laughs> right, they with are. With the
0: Titanic. But I guess that's the best kind of gentrification. The kind that sails away.
1: <laughs> Indeed.
0: <laughs> you know, uh, the natives all get to work on it. And then they're like, you know, so long, stink town. <laughs> and then they're back to their uh, religious war.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, that's an ancient... Tr- Again, an ancient tradition. We then see Mir in the shipyard. I I just sort of figure that after he caught a glimpse of it out the window, he just, like, tossed the microscope over his shoulder and (laughs) headed out.
0: (laughs) Well, don't need this anymore.
1: (laughs) Um... Uh, some men are uh, down there assembling some steel plates and putting rivets in them and everything. And Mir asks them whether these steel plates are hot or cold when the holes are punched in them. And, uh, you know, the guy, first of all, is like, who the hell are you? But he comes down and is like, what? What's your question? He's like, are they hot and cold? And he, hot or cold? And he says cold. And Mir's like, okay. And he leaves. And uh, the guy's like, all right. And he gets back to work.
0: He's yelling at the he's like, alright, we gotta keep work. I'm like, you're the one who left to go talk to some fucking Namby pamby blue-eyed asshole. Yeah. You could have just ignored him. Or better yet, thrown a, a hot rivet in each of his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and then like, that's what you get for coming down here. You damn blue eyed foreigner.
1: I don't think that would have been the best reaction. Aww. Well, I don't.
0: Well, I do.
1: That's why I never let you have any hot rivets. <laughs>
0: <laughs> probably a really good plan. I'd only use them for evil.
1: <laughs> uh, we've got a scene here with Andrews and Muir. Uh, they're discussing, again, Belfast. Uh, and they're talking about the different ships in this class that they have planned, which are the Olympic and also one apparently planning that's going to be called the Gigantic. And I'm like, that is a lame name for it is a ship. a really ship. lame name. Like Titanic, fine. Olympic, fine. Those are both like classical illusions. They
0: ran out of classical illusions to make.
1: Yeah. There's only
0: two groups of gods, Tom.
1: I understand. But, yeah. Colossal?
0: Uh, That would have been pretty good. Yeah. Colossus, I think.
1: Yeah. Why don't you hire me, Heartland and Wolf? Uh, Or I guess that would probably be White Star making that decision.
0: Yeah, but regardless, you're still 100 years too late.
1: (laughs) You say that about everything.
0: Well, it's never not been true.
1: Yeah. A secretary makes eyes at Muir, because that's what happens. Everywhere he goes.
0: He's much like Mr. Selfridge in this regard. Like, every woman he encounters is like, oh, my panties literally just melted.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, it's it's like he was put under some kind of gypsy curse. Because mm-hmm. he doesn't appear to want that or be too interested in it. But just every woman that sees him is, like, swooning.
0: Because he's got those blue eyes. I mean,
1: he looks good. That's fine. He does but look good. Come on, people. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have some professionalism. Nope.
0: Nope. <laughs> I th- this must be the scene where I made the note that says "less eye fucking." <laughs> I think
1: I think it is. <laughs> it's also established. Andrews asks mir where he's staying, and he says that he's staying at the Ambassador Hotel. And Andrews like, "Oh, we can do better than that f- for you. Uh, you can stay with the Hattons. They'll be happy to put you up." And he's like, "Oh, thanks. I'd much rather stay in a stranger's house than this fancy hotel." Yeah. Um,
0: and, like, once we see the ambassador, yeah. we're like, why would you not want to stay there?
1: Yeah, I want to stay there. I mean,
0: maybe he was trying to be more cost-effective, but, like, right. still, yeah. is no. this not about luxury?
1: Uh, right. We then see uh, we're back in Poortown. town. <laughs> um,
0: it's called Belfast, Tom. <laughs> Belfast. It's Gaelic for poor town.
1: <laughs> right. And Muir is walking along a street... Uh, There's a woman that's like half-heartedly beating a rug and I'm like, that's not accomplishing anything. Like if that's all you're going to do, just take the rug. Like you're all already dirtier than that rug. (laughs) Like, Why are you bothering?
0: I did like that this scene has some really period appropriate hookers. These chicks look rough. Yeah. And suspicious. Yeah. Like, no effle here. Right. Like, these ladies are like, I will, you know, service you and then murder you in cold blood. Right.
1: And like, just, their main plan is to rob and murder you. If they can't get away with that, then they'll just have paid sex. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Yeah.
0: So well done, stars. <laughs> right.
1: Uh, Muir knocks at a seemingly random house, and a uh, fairly young woman with several babies answers, and is like, "What do you want?" And just like, "Oh, sorry, uh, wrong house." <laughs> You're
0: like, "Is that the?" B- it, like, was just, it was just. It, it's odd. It, it is odd. I mean, the implication, of course, to me is that he's you know going back to his like childhood home or whatever. Right. I and guess. And I forget how much of this like I should know or shouldn't know because like I know. I think just even from the promo material, like, he's originally from Belfast. Mm-hmm. Like, his, his past is very murky throughout this whole thing.
1: Right. But, I mean, But then still, he immediately
0: goes to a cemetery.
1: Right. He's at a cemetery. And he uh, walks up
0: to a grave and just goes, oh, wrong cemetery! <laughs> right. Wrong, wrong gravestone. I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: the dead are like, what do you
0: want? <laughs> they had all babies climbing on them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, but he, he finds a grave, the one he was looking for, apparently which, well done, like, there's a lot of graves there.
0: It's really hard to they probably didn't even have, like, a handy map like they did back in, or back in the day. Recently. (laughs) Like, they do recently (laughs) where you can, like, get a map and be like, oh, that's where my grandpa's at. Right. But it's uh, Catherine McKinnon? Malone. Malone. Well, you know, those Irish names, they all sound the same to me. (laughs) Right. You're racist. Dirty potato eaters.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is Catherine Malone, 1862 to 1863. So, wasn't that what it said? I don't know. I thought it said 1862 to 1862, which seemed odd to me.
0: So it was one year?
1: Yeah, it was like a baby.
0: That's an awfully big headstone for a baby. <laughs> Seems like the resources of the family. Yeah. Also, I... I gotta say,
1: there's only like an 80% chance that that's the right grave. Because you have to think there's a lot of Catherine Malone's in that cemetery. <laughs>
0: I think it was longer years, though. I remembered it being like 20 years. I don't know.
1: Okay. We'd
0: have to go back. Yeah. And we're not going to do that right now. This is
1: another example of us saying something that may be completely false.
0: But hey, I'm sure this makes it more fun for you at home. That's right. This is a a participatory podcast. Our mistakes (laughs) are for your entertainment and amusement. Right. Back near the docks. We got Sir Davos Seaworth yeah. of Game of Thrones fame uh-huh. doing a little labor organizing. He's the onion organizer.
1: <laughs> That's right. Look. Come on! All you have to say is Sir Davos Seaworth, labor organizer, and we're in. Yeah,
0: we're basically totally in. So uh, it's like the, our two
1: favorite things.
0: The actor's name is Liam Cunningham. Yes, and I have to say, between the work I've seen from him on the last couple seasons of Game of Thrones and mm-hmm. this, I'm like, dude, why is this guy not in all the things?
1: Yeah, he's, he's really so good. He's really good. He's he's you know the 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 best non-Jacoby actor mm-hmm. on this show. Clearly, yeah. Oh, uh, I
0: hope they have a scene together. That would be great. Yeah,
1: and certainly plausible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's running a meeting in you know some little hall somewhere, and this, this is, is
0: this is the meeting that the bitches are going to.
1: Indeed, it, it seems to be about I don't know fifty or sixty men and like three women. Yeah, but he's just talking about you know the good food and uh, comfortable life are good enough for rich people. They're good enough for us, et cetera, et cetera. And if we all stand together, regardless of sect, then uh, there's nothing that we can't do.
0: Mm-hmm. This goes over favorably.
1: It does. Uh, and at one point he says that, you know, that's, this, is, this is the right of any man. And secretary pipes up, or woman. And he looks at him and he's like, yeah, or woman. And, he, you know, he doesn't dispute yeah. women's right to be part of it.
0: Which is uh, refreshing. <laughs> I is thought refreshing. he was going to be like, pipe down, woman. <laughs> Who let you in? I thought
1: the regards. <laughs> uh, back to Rich Town. Derek Jacoby is introducing Mir to various rich people. He's, you know, describing them as, you know, like this guy is owns all these shipping lines along with many other things. And some woman, I don't remember which woman said this, but it's like she has he has two thumbs but many pies.
0: It's kitty. It is says kitty. That. Okay. Because that seems extremely sexual.
1: It does seem again.
0: Once again, <laughs> like look out. She's wearing red in her first scene. Uh huh. This is a lady who wants your thumb in her pie. <laughs> yes.
1: And here we find out specifically that uh, Muir had been working on the HMS Dreadnought, which was the the sort of last major new battleship type before, uh, in World War II, aircraft carriers took over, and the battleship was totally obsolete. But Dreadnought was sort of the the peak of battleships. Like the
0: Dreadfort in Game of Thrones.
1: Um, no. <laughs>
0: no flayed men hanging no. out.
1: I—I uh, mean, it was the British Navy. I'm sure there was some harsh discipline applied, <laughs> but I think they'd outlawed flaying at that point. Bomber, sorry. And a couple other people show up. They're late, and the, they're complaining. And it's like, I think I'm gonna fire my driver and hire somebody that can make the car go. We're like, hey, Branson, <gasps> he's right around.
0: He probably is. Yeah. Maybe this is why he wound up in England. He wound up working for that guy getting involved with those labor organizers. And that guy was like, get out of here, you labor organizing Irish man.
1: <laughs> That's, that actually fits completely. Crossover fanfic. <laughs> what, what? <laughs> yeah, somebody get on that. We're busy.
0: <gasps> then we cut to a uh, less well-off part of town, although mm-hmm. it seems fairly respectable. This is
1: more working class than like... The, the first place we saw was like poor. Yeah,
0: this is like working middle class kind of situation and the secretary that we saw comes into this house and uh, another woman greets her kind of annoyed Mm -hmm. and says you know their father has been wondering where she was
1: yes her name is Sophia her
0: name is Sophia her sister has a name
1: Uh, it's uh, Violetta Violetta Violetta. yes Uh,
0: so Violetta has had to make dinner by herself and is pissed off about it Mm mm-hmm So this is our obligatory uh, life is a beautiful (laughs) plot line. Yeah. uh, As all of these people are Italian. Indeed. Uh, There's their father, uh, Signor Pietro, Mm -hmm. I think his name is. And then there's a dude.
1: There's a dude. Whose
0: name we don't know at this point, but his name is Andrea.
1: Right. I just called him Scruffy.
0: Okay. So Scruffy's (laughs) there. And Violetta is talking about how uh, somebody, uh, what is his name? The, The factory owner? Mr. Carleton or something. Yeah, I can't. Yes, remember. Yes, because it's Kitty's father. Right, right. And she's Kitty Carleton. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Carleton or someone on his staff sacked a girl that she works with in this factory for talking. Right. And uh, Signor Pietro is like, uh, well, fuck that bitch. She should not have been talking. Right. And he's like, you know, how come you always have to make trouble? Like, be more like Sophia. And don't make trouble. I'm like, you know, she was just at a labor organizing meeting. He
1: he doesn't know that. That
0: is the most trouble you can make. Yeah. I'm not sure he doesn't know about it. Really? Well, just based on a later scene. Well,
1: because he was saying that what's good about Sophia is that she, you know, she gets along and doesn't complain.
0: Right. But then uh, Andrea later says that her father worries that she'll get caught up in these new ideas.
1: Yeah, that's true. So, I don't know. Anyway. I
0: mean, clearly, uh, Sophia has the better job.
1: Right. Right. She's
0: not in a factory. She's doing, you know, kind of skilled labor. Right.
1: But, uh, yeah. The father wants them to pipe down. Yeah. Patriarchy is beautiful. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of awkward political conversation... Back at the rich party, uh, the people that arrived late, the, the dude is going on a rant about filthy poor people or something like yeah, that. Yeah, how
0: we never should have taught him to read.
1: Oh, yes. That's right. Yeah. And I don't know whether he was talking about women or Catholics or both. I um, would say
0: probably anyone who's not rich right. and a dude. Right. Like, that's my feeling.
1: Yeah, basically anyone. Yeah. It's like, I should be the only one that can read. <laughs> um, And... Good old moral outrage, Muir, naturally doesn't leave this alone. Oh, no. um, You know, gets into a bit of a debate with him, saying that, you know, don't you think uh, a fair day's wage for a fair day's work is is right, and all this sort of thing. He says that, and the guy's like, well, they're not starving. And he's like, well, actually, a seven-year-old girl starved to death in London the other day.
0: And everybody gets real uncomfortable. That
1: is, if there's... Hint for a dinner party If anybody mentions a seven-year-old girl starving to death Your dinner party has failed <laughs> <laughs> um, So uh, One of the women there Takes advantage of an awkward pause and says So You're a metallurgist
0: <laughs> It's like us trying to pronounce no or <laughs> right. Jacoby
1: Right uh, And he says a metallurgist Yes the subtitles note pronounced correctly. P.S.,
0: if you were watching this on Netflix streaming, the subtitles are phenomenal. Yes. All of the, you know, sort of, uh, you know, noises that are nonverbal are done in all caps. Right. And it's fantastic. Also, they're yellow subtitles, which is great. Yes. Yellow subtitles, greater than sign, white subtitles. And
1: it's not even close.
0: Yeah.
1: There's then discussion. Late coming guy suggests that uh, says that they're gonna play cricket the next day. Uh and Muir says that he doesn't play cricket. Uh and this like late coming guy doesn't even know how to respond to that. Yeah. Like he he never would have crossed his mind that anybody he could meet at a party would not play cricket. It's true. Yeah. Um and Muir's enjoyable in this scene too. Just oh yeah. In his. I mean
0: he's 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 a bit of a rogue. He is which is fun.
1: Well and what I like about him is he's, you know, rightly contemptuous contemptuous of this guy but he's not like super like
0: he's not a dick about it yeah
1: he's not a dick about it he just he just stands up for himself and doesn't
0: well and they do also get into a bit of debate about uh you know Science as regards shipbuilding, and Mr. Andrews is there, and of course gets all puffed out right. about oh, you know, experience, and blah 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 blah. But I loved it because Muir gets this line in about how science is common sense, and I practically just stood up and cheered. Uh, yeah, because I mean, God, I mean, we're still having this debate for some reason. Yeah,
1: you know. Yeah. Well, and it was it was it was uh, Andrews and Muir arguing it together, and Jacoby stepping in to say. We need you both, both hand in hand. He's such and a Libra. You get a Yeah. You get a feeling that this dynamic is going to be playing out pretty consistently. Yeah, throughout through, the entire... Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, because we could see in that very first scene on the day of the launch, you know, when Andrews is sort of like congratulating everybody, Muir looked kind of, you know... Suspicious. Mm-hmm. And granted, it's all very, you know, fucking ominous and portentous because we're talking about the Titanic.
1: Right, right. Uh,
0: but, you know, it doesn't seem like their conflict is ever really going to be resolved.
1: Mm hmm. Mm mm-hmm. We'll uh, have
0: to wait and see. In Titanic Blood and Steel 2, the legend goes on.
1: <laughs> well, it's time for cricket, but sadly, it is raining. Boo. All of you who are hoping for some hot cricket action. It's damp. All of you who are hoping for Mir to punish somebody's bowling. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the only bowling he wants to punish is hot rivets into hot steel.
1: <laughs> it's true. Miss Carlton is there and continues being... Well, in the last scene, uh, she had said that she wanted to see Mir play cricket. Yeah. He was like... Only if you have a perverse sense of what is entertaining. And she's like, maybe I do. And it's like, good lord, stars.
0: She is not being... Sl- I, my theory is that this was actually a softcore pornography. <laughs> and they're like, there's too much plot in here. Let's just make it a regular miniseries.
1: <laughs> but keep the weird double entendres. Yeah,
0: definitely keep those. <laughs>
1: That was actually what Derek Jacoby originally signed on for. He was very <laughs> disappointed.
0: Yeah, he's like, "What? I'm old. My bucket list: softcore porn. I never got the chance.
1: I've done Shakespeare."
0: <laughs>
1: <gasps> <gasps> yes, so hoity-toity cricket can't go on during the rain, but good, honest working-class hurling. Rain won't stop it.
0: Oh, is that what that was? Yeah,
1: hurling. It's like hurling. It's like it's the Irish sport to an extent. It's basically like field hockey, except uh, much more aerial. The sticks are a bit shorter, and it's uh, you know hurled through the air as Uh, well as struck along the ground. Fun fact
0: about me: I just assumed there was cricket going on. That's (laughs) what I thought was happening.
1: No, that was that was hurling. Can
0: hurling only be played in the rain? (laughs)
1: It can be played in any conditions. I see. Yes.
0: Well, I've learned something today.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm not super familiar with it, but it's sort of of like halfway between field hockey and lacrosse, from what I can tell.
0: That sounds very low class.
1: (laughs) Indeed. So Sophia and Scruffy are there, watching the hurling and chatting about this and that i yeah, suppose yeah and
0: uh violetta's standing next to Sophia, right and scruffy's complaining about when can we go out alone again mm-hmm. and Sophia's like shut up and violetta's like i'm right here <laughs> <laughs> but i guess i think her bow is playing i forget I, there's yeah they're, some, they're watching
1: somebody specifically
0: but like nobody cares
1: right it's raining anyway you Even can't see don't anything care. yeah They're just there, you know, Scruffy's just there in the hopes that they get lost on the way back and And get some alone time. Yeah,
0: yeah. I actually wrote about this, that this is a better cricket scene than the one in Downton Abbey, but I guess that that is mainly because they are not at all playing cricket.
1: That makes any cricket scene better. (laughs) (laughs) We then pull up to a stately manor house.
0: It looks kind of desolate out front. Like, there's no shrubbery. It looks like it's, like, on this gravel lot. And I'm like, have you all fallen on hard time?
1: <laughs> right. Hard to say. But uh,
0: apparently not, because as soon as they get inside, uh, Kitty calls for three bottles of champagne. Yes. So she's is, planning to make a night of it.
1: Yeah. I'll, I'll call for three bottles of champagne, but no one will answer. I might. <laughs> yes, and old Jiminy Cricket is bummed about the rain. <laughs> uh, and he asks Kitty to dance, but she says no, and then goes directly over to Muir, chats him up for a minute, and asks him to dance. Mm-hmm. So, in your face, yeah. There's guy. The,
0: And the cricket guy is clearly interested in her. I mean, they were seated yeah. together. I can only assume he's, you know, the scion of some, you know land rich cash poor asshole indeed he's trying to get all up in her pie
1: <laughs> yeah but in the before kitty asks me to dance he makes it clear that he only loves the ship mm-hmm. that's all he's interested in yeah and kitty's like all right let's dance yeah and he dips her quite deep and she like looks back at cricket guy like just to be like take that buddy <laughs> Which is odd. I didn't really think that they would dip that much in that time period, but I well, have not the what, slightest actually, idea if that's the, true.
0: This seems like kind of like a young people's party where things are a little bit lax.
1: Oh, uh, that's true. Like,
0: this was the equivalent of, like, oh, my parents are out of town for the weekend, so let's have a kegger. Right. But, you know, much more refined and with <laughs> <much> more corsets.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, that makes sense. Uh, in the Italian kitchen... Uh, Scruffy comes in and finds... You Viol- mean the Olive Garden? <laughs> yes. <gasps> yeah, uh, Scruffy comes into the kitchen and finds Violetta there and are, is kind of creepy. Yeah,
0: there's a super, like, rapey vibe happening here yeah. that I don't actually think was intentional. Yeah,
1: it was weird. Well,
0: because then, uh, Signor Pietro comes in and he's like, oh, hey, what's up?
1: yeah. And and Violetta's like, here's your lunches, and they go off, and it was just like, it's
0: really weird. Yeah, and I can't quite figure out their living situation. Right. Like, because you know he seems to eat all of his meals with them, mm-hmm. but not live with them. I don't know. Right. Very it, strange. It
1: is odd. Um, well, because he arrives there from elsewhere, and it's clearly the morning. Yeah. So it seems like he must be sleeping somewhere else. But
0: this is not given to us to understand in this first episode. <laughs> Indeed.
1: Uh, back in the Home Depot lot, <laughs> outside the shipyard, uh, Mir comes in and grabs some urchin and...
0: I think it's the same guy who was asking for work in the first bit.
1: Right, that Mir's taken a shine to for whatever reason and uh, orders Stephen Bake to find him a job. So.
0: Stephen Ovenbake. <laughs> Never re- not funny. I
1: was really proud of it. <laughs> <laughs> Then we get a boardroom scene.
0: Ooh. Yeah.
1: All the big wigs are there.
0: Not wearing wigs, though. No.
1: All the big beards are there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there are a lot of beards.
1: There are. And Muir is uh, being the iconoclast that he is, and everyone else is thing. He wants to perform his own tests on the steel that they are using, which they all think is quite unnecessary.
0: Like, why else would he be there? Right. This is what I... Like, you're paying him anyway, right? Like, what could it hurt?
1: Right. Well, I mean, it's partly... It's made clear at some point that the only reason he's there is because J.P. Noth asked him to be there and they can't say no to him.
0: Yeah, because he's so it their is, primary investor.
1: Right. So it is a bit of the, like, boss's nephew kind of situation <laughs> from their from their perspective. But
0: he's a boy genius!
1: Oh, I know that. I've seen his mustache.
0: And his microscope. <laughs>
1: both quite trim <laughs> um yeah so there's a big argument over whether his steel tests are worthwhile um and he's you know he's saying i, I, I of course your standards are very high i'm just seeking to enhance your already brilliant standards and you know the haram thing continues finally jacob is like oh well, well let's move on
0: actually it's or, no, no no that's right jacob i don't think jacob's even there
1: exactly that's I mean that's the problem for me in this scene is it's all enemies yeah for him so Andrews is like uh, leave it we're not going to talk about it now well
0: and Jacoby's allegiances aren't quite clear he that's really true. is a Libra in this like he's yeah. he's this person who's very old and he's had this whole career and he can kind of see the world changing but he's not quite sure how to get on either side of it
1: right no that's that's true is my
0: interpretation
1: yes. Um... Yes, so they move on to the next item on the agenda, which is the keel-laying ceremony. Clearly more important than the material they are making the ship out of. Uh,
0: yeah, Tom. Everybody knows, if you don't have a good keel-making ceremony, demons come out and the <laughs> <in> your ship. <laughs> <laughs> Belfastian demons. <laughs> no, that's a good point. The worst kind.
1: And they are. So Andrews goes and whines to DJ about Mir, um and
0: he's inconclusive but they're both watching the onion organizer out the window Mm -hmm. and we find out that he is mr larkin and he uh organized all of the docks in england yes apparently or the
1: northwest of england i think they say but that's still he was
0: successful and basically you know jacoby is like hey what if he did that here and andrews is like yeah it's totally gonna happen so fuck off why are we even talking about this (laughs) Um, but, uh, DJ actually is like, what would happen if I went down and listened to him? Which mm-hmm. is an interesting, it was like, but it's like, what are you going to accomplish with that exactly?
1: Yeah, well, he's, I mean, he's not even saying that to accomplish anything, he's just sort of curious. Yeah. He's like...
0: He's kind of like Chris Kringle in the original Miracle on 34th Street. In, all right. In that you're just like, what are you talking about, dude?
1: <laughs> right. Well, I think sort of his thing is he sees all these, again, like you are saying about being a Libra, he sees all these divisions, he sees them all as artificial, Mm -hmm. and he's like, what if I, the, you know, top manager of them all, went and hung out with these labor people?
0: Yeah. It probably would be helpful.
1: You know, and he's just sort of reflecting on the fact that he somehow can't. Yeah. In the mirror Cave, um, which is a well-lit room, (laughs) (laughs) uh... He he puts some metal uh, a thin strip of metal in some um testing device. It's
0: a twisty mabob. Yes.
1: Um and you know when it has a gauge on it basically just sees how f- how much pressure he can mm-hmm. twist it until it it breaks. As he is watching this test, uh Sophia comes up behind him and uh, you know, watches him admiringly.
0: She's like an Italian ninja.
1: <laughs> she is. Uh, and, and waits for the metal to break and then comes up, she has uh, some plans for him that had been sent by somebody or other. Uh, her name is, uh, he's like, he says, Miss, and she says, Silvestri. He says, oh, you're Italian, eh? And, and
0: she says, please, come in life is beautiful. <laughs> but actually, uh, I do want to point out, their accents are Italian, but they're clearly Irish-inflected. Yes. Like, it's really great accent work. Yeah, that is because absolutely the case. these are people the from Italy who clearly learn to speak English in Ireland. Right. Because right. they've got that touch of the brogue on top of their Italian accent.
1: Yeah. And in general, the Italians in this, compared to every other Italians like that we've seen portrayed in anything we've covered, are handled much more... No, I mean, they're, they're, just, they're
0: full characters. Yeah, they're
1: full characters. They
0: have their own plot line.
1: They're not sidekicks.
0: They aren't sidekicks. They're not trying to bang an Anglo. Right. Well, we don't really... It's unclear.
1: Well, except... Everybody's trying to bang Mir because of that gypsy curse, but thats <laughs> the, he, he, they can't help
0: that. Um, yeah, but I mean, you know, they, they have their own lives. I mean, they obviously cross into the circles of some of these other characters. Right.
1: But... Yeah, they're doing their own thing. Yeah. Uh, he asks where she's from, because he's been to Italy. She says San Romano. He says, oh, I don't know that one. And she says, I didn't think you would.
0: Which... No, I mean, I really like Sophia. (laughs) Yeah. She is one of my favorite characters watching this. She's got a very interesting position that she occupies, I think, Mm -hmm. within the sphere of uh, Titanic BS.
1: Yes. Uh, And she is... Her position in the uh, company is she's a copyist. That is what she does. And Mira's like, oh, important work. And she's like, well, it's not that interesting. And says, we all do our part. Um, You know, which is true. Mm -hmm. And it's actually... I've been reading... um, about the Civil War. And just in general, like, copying things accurately is a difficult thing to do. And things getting copied inaccurately has caused all kinds of problems, like, throughout history. And so, deaths. Yes, and deaths. Um, So, you know, you you need good copyists to get things done. Uh, and so he says... If I, ha- if I need any more plans, or she says, if you need any more plans, and he says, I'll know where to come.
0: See, again, this <laughs> is clearly a softcore <laughs> porn. <laughs> Copy this orgasm. <laughs> That's the sound that I imagine your makes when he has an orgasm. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's not what I imagined at all. His but- cum is blue. <laughs> Uh, that would make sense.
0: Listen, we're being dragged down to the level of this clearly non-softcore porn porn.
1: <laughs> right. We blame Titanic BS.
0: And the <laughs> Stars Network.
1: <laughs> and we'll continue to do so. <laughs> he used to be called Titanic boobs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> boobs and steel. <laughs> boobs of steel. <laughs> <laughs> They're Jägermeisters. <laughs> She's like, that's my dirty secret.
1: <laughs> uh, in the shipyard, the urchin arrives for work. His name is Jack Lowry, as it turns out. Lowry, Lowry.
0: Lowry, I think, is how he pronounced it.
1: Yeah, uh, and he is told that the ship is going to be real big. Uh, this is. Oh,
0: we're like, okay, we get it. Yeah, <laughs> big ship.
1: <laughs> it's called Titanic. Even if we had never heard of the Titanic, which is impossible, it's called Titanic. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Not a lot of it, but this is one scene where it was a little clunky in terms of, like, I throwing some exposition. I thought it was pointless. Like, I mean, they're yeah. clearly
0: setting up this Lowry character to, like, do something, you know, annoying, probably. I
1: guess. I mean, he's the uh, the George Tower.
0: Yeah, well, because, like, he gets this gig, but he can't do the... Like, he can't even catch a hot rivet. Right. In a bucket. Yeah. Like, I could catch a hot rivet in a bucket.
1: He had a whole bucket.
0: He had a whole bucket. <laughs> it was a pretty big bucket.
1: yeah. Again, this is why I don't let you have hot ribs.
0: (laughs) Well, maybe you should let me have a bucket to start. (laughs) You don't know what I'm capable of.
1: You're right. I don't. We'll get you a small bucket to start. A training bucket.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're too kind to me.
1: (laughs) We then see Scruffy and uh, Papa Silvestri at work. And it turns out that they are...
0: They are working at the, the Carlton's Mansion.
1: Yes, and they are working on the uh, the, the molding. I, mm-hmm. guess, I guess they're uh, plasterers.
0: Yeah, it's unclear to me exactly what they're doing. Right. Like, if this was an existing thing or, or right. if they've done this entirely from scratch. But it's... Uh, it's clearly inspired by Italian architecture. Mm -hmm.
1: And it is, I I think they, I think they were doing it from scratch because of the way, because uh, uh, Mrs. Carlton, the matriarch of the Carlton's comes in and condescends to them. But she, you know, she says it's so beautiful and it reminds her of uh, the friezes at Siena and Kitty's there. And she just rolls her eyes and is like, mom, it's Ravenna. And, uh, you know, That's that.
0: Yeah, and they leave.
1: Yeah. Uh, Scruffy and Papa head out uh, drinking... I don't know if it was tea or coffee. I was debating that in my mind. I thought it
0: could have also been water.
1: It could have been. That's true.
0: They're drinking out of tin cups. It could have been anything.
1: It could have been anything. And they're discussing... uh, Mr.
0: Larkin and his union.
1: Yes. They're discussing Mr. Larkin and his union, and that's where uh, Papa says that he has seen that sort of thing in Italy and it leads to death and destruction. And he's like, you know, we've got jobs. Don't rock the boat. Don't mess things up here. And they talk about how they both wish they could be back, or Pop in particular wishes he could be back in Italy. He says, you know, the food and the culture and the history, but no work. And yeah. so, and it was...
0: Ah, uh, come on, just wait for Mussolini. He'll get the trains running <laughs> on time.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be great.
0: Uh, yeah, but Scruffy seems pretty dumb to me. Yeah. He seems very, um, impressionable.
1: Yeah, I agree. Well, it's, I mean, it's like at that hurling match when they were having a conversation about, you know, unions, and all he could be like was, I do want to be alone. Yeah,
0: he's very whiny. Yeah. We're not fans of Scruffy.
1: Yeah, thus far. Although, you know, having only seen the first episode, like, I feel, you know, there's a lot of possibility. Like, just people could change so much. That's true. Like, I'm not saying they will. Well, there's
0: three years between now and when Titanic sails. Yeah, that's true. So.
1: Back at the shipyard, DJ and Muir are taking a stroll through. It's it's the end of the day, and uh, Derek Jacoby says he likes to take a stroll at the end of the day and see what's been done and feel the heat of the work and all that sort of thing.
0: Which strikes me as, I mean, he must have kind of started out I don't know that he could have possibly been well, I, a laborer. But... I don't think
1: that he could have been a laborer, but he could have been somebody, you know, sort of directly managing laborers, you know?
0: Yeah, like a foreman or something? Yeah,
1: something like that. Um, oh, and he's like, do you do you know how this ship started? And Muir says, no. And he says, good, because otherwise I would have no excuse to launch into this tale. <gasps> uh, and it apparently started on a napkin. He, him and... Uh,
0: J.P. Noth. And
1: and J.P. Noth had been talking about it, and he drew it on a napkin, and uh, it's it's gone on from there. Uh, DJ also believes that Titanic will cure sectarianism, apparently, which I, you know, I, I don't. This Admittedly, when, I have the advantage of hindsight. This is when the great
0: hammer of irony comes crashing
1: down. <laughs> right.
0: And it's, I don't know, it's weird. It's like, how can it not, like... Well, but I mean, it's...
1: this has the same problem as any prequel. Yeah, you know, which is that we all know the endpoint, and in, you know everybody that wrote it know the endpoint, mm-hmm. and you can't help; it's it's virtually impossible to not put, to not let that foreknowledge affect what you're yeah, writing. Yeah, that's true. Now there's a labor rally going on outdoors. Uh, Sir Davos is up there. Oh, this
0: is the scene where Andrews and sorry, everybody, <laughs> spoilers
1: <laughs> are usually flawless accuracy. <laughs> 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 stumbled there uh but he is up on a on possibly quite literally a soapbox you know addressing them in the standard labor rallying terms and then Stephen Ovenbake and uh his little scruffy friend uh that not scruffy scrawny
0: yeah scruffy's different yeah scruffy was scruffy there
1: N- no scruffy no, no, was no. not there yeah but uh weird little guy the the assistant. Uh, but anyway, they go in and they're going to break it up. They'll, oh, what's all this then? Rah, 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 rah. And they completely fail. Uh, and they get, you know, run out of there. And the whole time, uh, Sir Davos, Larkin. Larkin just stands on his box, just watches the whole thing. Doesn't, you know, he doesn't tell people to fight him off. He doesn't have to. He doesn't, mm-hmm. you know. No,
0: he's like super intense. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah.
1: So that was So That was nice. I liked that.
0: And this is the scene with Andrews' line about unions being inevitable. And it's just crazy to think about now. Yeah. Because unions are so powerless in this country. Mm -hmm. Like, the idea that people, like, coming together could seem inevitable. Right. Because anymore, it just seems impossible.
1: Right. Indeed. You know, to be fair, that's at least in part because, you know, people are no longer mistreated as horribly as they were at the time. That's true, but... But I'm also depressed. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This is a a pro-labor podcast.
0: So, uh, suck it, Big Steel.
1: (laughs) Yes. If you are a steel bear and listening to this podcast, stop now! (laughs) We defy you.
0: We are the proletariat.
1: (laughs) I just imagine somehow a steel company lawyer busting through our door right now. (laughs) (laughs) Like, we haven't even published this podcast yet.
0: Uh, Big Steel has big eyes. (laughs) They're in bed with the NSA. (laughs)
1: Uh, yeah, Speaking of unions, Scruffy and Sophia are walking through the woods discussing unions. Uh, Scruffy is not happy. He's like, this is not what I meant by going out alone. <laughs> I wanted to be alone with your vagina. Uh, right. Or just your boobs.
0: Yeah. Just one boob.
1: Yeah. Oh, lefty. Oh, <laughs> Really? <laughs> he doesn't ask much. Uh, but- just
0: a scruff and a stardust sailor vibe.
1: <laughs> but uh, Sophia... Not that interested in him
0: No She's, she's I, just
1: not that into you Well scruffy. but he
0: says He wouldn't be in Ireland If it wasn't for her Right Which I think is odd Because again I'm like Where did you come from?
1: Yeah a- Again Did it, you just
0: spring Fully scruffed <laughs> From you know The cabinet in your kitchen Or something Like who is this guy?
1: <laughs> I <laughs> Every Italian immigrant If you Family When they move into A new home in Belfast They're like here Here's an extra Italian That comes with your home <laughs>
0: Life is beautiful. His name
1: is Scruffy, and he will date one of your daughters.
0: <laughs> oh, Scruffy. Yeah.
1: Actually, it is Andre- Andrea, which we learn in yes. this this scene. Now it's time for dinner at the Hattons. Boo. Agreed.
0: A.K.A. the House of Broken Dreams. This <laughs> right. is so depressing. It this is. This dinner.
1: No, because... Uh, the you know Mr. Hatton makes fun of his son who is the peer of Muir, uh, for not having gone to college, and the son is like, well, I wasn't that smart, Dad, and it's like, you're right, good point. And it was it was odd. It was like it wasn't like ashamed of it. It's like no, just oh yeah, being... you
0: are incredibly dumb. Yeah,
1: they were both fine with that. <laughs> Meanwhile. You know, Mrs. Hatton was wearing a dress that appeared to be the same pattern as the wallpaper. (laughs) It was just like her head was floating in the shot. It was like
0: that scene in Garden State. (laughs) It was. Fru-fru started playing. (laughs) It was really weird. I was like, you need to get back to the ambassador. (laughs) Post-haste! Yeah. Run, Blue Eyes, run! (laughs) There's nothing for you here. Except for, what was it that they were eating?
1: Rissles.
0: Rissles.
1: Which... I've known what they are. I think, I'm pretty sure they're a kind of sausage.
0: Anytime it's a meal in Britain, I just assume it's a sausage. <laughs> right.
1: And that you, you're better off not inquiring, really. Yes. Uh, but then the Hattons are all heading off to church. Muir um, is not. and
0: Maybe it was breakfast and not dinner.
1: I think that would actually, that makes much more sense. Because yeah, why, you know, yeah. who
0: goes to church after dinner? That, that except was... for the Anabaptists.
1: <laughs> right. So breakfast at the Hattons. Um, maybe it was brunch. <laughs> um, yes, Titanic,
0: brunch and steel. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sign me up. This
0: is never going to get old.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so they're sort of con- uh, talking about the fact that Mira is not going to church, and you know, sort of. Asking without asking what his religion is. Um, It's like asking each other in his presence what religion he might be.
0: It's really odd and uncomfortable. It is
1: odd and uncomfortable. And, uh, you know, and the guy's like, oh, man's religion is his own private business. That's the wife says that. Uh, That's right. The wife says that. But then... Young hat, and it's like, oh, no, of course, he's a Catholic.
0: And they're all like, ha, 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 what a ridiculous thought, a Catholic in Ireland. Yeah. Ha, 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 ha,
1: no, the, the, the mother says, oh, I'm sure he's nothing like that. <laughs> Which I wonder what she lumps like Greek Orthodox or like, I don't know.
0: I mean, anything. With, you know, a little bit more ritual and pomp and circumstance. I mean, people think of Catholics as sort of being cannibalistic. Yeah. And we
1: decided that we're pretty sure they must be Presbyterian. Because, yeah, because they asked if he was Church of England, mm-hmm. implying that they weren't. Um, and Northern Ireland was generally explain settled.
0: explain why he chose the cake over death when offered <laughs> <Right>. at brunch.
1: <laughs> Ristles or death.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, and that would make sense in Northern Ireland, too, because mm-hmm. it was mostly settled from Scotland. So. But after they all laugh about how Muir can't possibly be Catholic, he shows up at a Catholic mass. No! Like Although, too late. Yeah, it's the very end. So it's like
0: Guess what doesn't count to Jesus.
1: Yeah. Way to A not conceal your secret and B still commit a mortal sin.
0: Yeah. Way to miss the liturgy of the Eucharist a-hole. Yeah. Like for you real. can go ahead and miss the readings. Like <laughs> nobody really cares about that. But like you're a- supposed to be there when the transubstantiation goes down.
1: Yeah, you had better make sure you make it to the evening mass where all the drunkards go. <laughs>
0: And the families that were on vacation Yes (laughs) (laughs) Oh my Catholic humor (laughs) We got it Along with puns and (laughs) bristles. Get them while they're holy
1: (laughs) Bless this holy (laughs) bristle. J.P. Noth has decided to stop by the office, and Andrews is showing him drawings of various uh, uh, features that the ship is going to have. He shows the gymnasium, uh, a swimming pool with warm salt water heated to 65 degrees, the first ship ever to have the swimming pool on board.
0: Yeah, and J.P. Nof and uh, DJ have a little discussion about how, oh, the younger generation's gone soft. And, you know, again, ever the Libra, <laughs> DJ's like, ah, that's what the older generation said about us. But then J.P. Nof's mustache just goes, they were wrong. <laughs> I'm as hard as I ever was. And it's really weird. It It is. Uh, and then he asks... Also,
1: ne- Nev Campbell is there, which is... Well,
0: I was getting to that because <laughs> yeah. J.P. Noth asks her in a way that, again, I found very suggestive of some sort of, mm-hmm. you know, jiggery-pokery. <laughs> right. Uh, that's what the J.P. stands for. <laughs> Little known fact. Jiggery-pokery Morgan. Uh, he's like, oh, hey, Jägermeister, wouldn't you like to stay in one of these? And uh Nev Campbell says, yes, I'm acting. <laughs> yeah. But she's like, "Oh boy, I sure would want to be in one of those state rooms." It's like she's in waiting for Guffin.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, or she's like, "Oh, you mean one of those pictures like in Mary Poppins?
0: That would be great." <laughs>
1: Dance with the penguins.
0: No, but uh it's just it's ridiculous. It I'm is. Like why who who said this was fine? She looks great though.
1: She looks great.
0: She I think looks more attractive now than she did when she was younger. I think that's her fair. Her face has a little bit more definition. Mm-hmm. Uh again, dead eyes though. Just dead dead
1: eyes. Dead eyes. Well, and I feel like her face is always kind of obscured a bit by like hats and stuff and Not this... really?
0: I don't she know. She doesn't that's... wear that many hats. Doesn't she? No. She's got a weird haircut. I guess
1: it's the way her hair falls on her face. Yeah. That's what, I, just, I just have this vision of her face being always in shadow or something.
0: Yeah, she's got kind of a weird jagged updo going on.
1: Yeah, yeah. So then we cut to some rich people's party. Uh, Kitty Carlton is there escort, escorting Mira around, and they're both sort of being catty about rich people. Mm-hmm. Kitty Carlton is, is fun in this episode. I feel like we haven't talked about her much.
0: Because she's she's in a lot of it. She is. She's
1: clearly like a significant character. She's
0: clearly, you know, she's from this wealthy world, but she's clearly kind of got everybody's number and isn't super thrilled with the lifestyle that she's been born into.
1: Yeah, no, there was a a shot of her earlier in... The, the first scene that ended with the propositions of cricket or whatever. And I think it was when he was discussing cricket. It was Jiminy Cricket. Yeah. And when he said that, and she just rolled her eyes so, like, dramatically. Yeah, that would be
0: a great uh, gif.
1: It would be. It was... Gif? Uh gif. Well, according to gif. the inventor's gif, according to right-thinking people, gif.
0: Whoa! Throw down! <laughs>
1: yeah. I I mean, you know, it doesn't really matter. We should matter. take a poll. <laughs> Uh, Joanna
0: Jägermeister
1: Jägermeister comes by uh, and joins their little uh, circle. And she, as it turns out, is J.P. Notes' uh, uh, press liaison, Mm -hmm. essentially. Uh, And she's a journalist by trade. Um, So this is the first we know which why she's been hanging around. Oh, my
0: God. Boy, howdy. Do things get snipey? They do. Well, because she's calling Mr. Muir Mark.
1: Ah, yes.
0: And little Kitty, who's clearly looking to do something more interesting than Jiminy Cricket for the rest of her life. (laughs) Right. Uh, Her hackles get raised, uh, whereas Muir doesn't do anything to mitigate this whatsoever. He's like,
1: you know, I have no intention of dating either one of you.
0: (laughs) Seriously, that damn gypsy. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so there's a bit of snipery happening because, uh, well, and you know, Joanna starts it. She does. Well, and she would have started it better if she was played by someone who actually could act instead of...
1: Yeah, well, because the way it went down is Kitty Carlton said, oh, you're a journalist. And Jägermeister, it's... Correctly or not Pick that up As like condescending
0: And so she said Yes I get To work for a living Yeah And they're off To the races Right Then with these You know Very frenemy-esque
1: uh-huh. uh
0: Discussions of their Lifestyles Yeah And it's ridiculous
1: Yeah uh, A lot of lot of passive aggression mm-hmm. Going on in this scene
0: As was the custom In Edwardian England
1: <laughs> Yes Uh But then a mustache Lady Mary here...
0: would be proud
1: <laughs> Yes but then a mustache heaves into view, followed shortly by Chris Nose. <laughs> um, and he says, you know, hey, Mir, what's up? Uh, how's it going? Uh, you know, ask him, how, how, uh, is there anything to report? Uh, and he says, well, they're, they're screwing up the riveting. They're punching the holes when it's cold, and that makes the steel more likely to crack. And... J.P.'s like, oh? And he's like, yes, the, they, they, they always heat up the steel at the Cunard lines. Mm-hmm. And J.P. is like, Cunard?
0: Well, and this has been established previously. Their, their primary competitor is the Cunard line. Yes. And in and the scene with the, all the amenities of the ship, uh, much was made of how they were going to just totally smoke the Cunard line. Yeah. With which... their white star... Tomfoolery.
1: Yeah, which, indeed, moreover, it's clear that they have recently fallen behind. Yes. That Cunard is is currently winning. This this is is a mad
0: grab for, you know, Google Play to try and outstrip iTunes. Yes,
1: indeed. But uh, Derek Jacoby quickly stifles all this work talk and sort of drags JP away. And Andrews is pissed. (laughs)
0: I suspect he's gonna spend most of this series being really pissed. It does it does seem that way. He yes. does not seem like a man who is frequently unpissed.
1: <laughs> right. And Mir's like, What? He asked. And But
0: which... he's like, this is an inappropriate place for a work conversation, but I'm with Mir. Like, I am too, actually. I, I believe in direct and, you know, perceptively dirty tactics like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when, you know, again, knowing what we know now, had they but listened To Mm -hmm. old blue eyes.
1: Yeah.
0: uh, Maybe we wouldn't be covering this stupid series in the first place.
1: (laughs) Or the various other hours upon end we have spent discussing this dumb ship. (laughs) 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 But Andrews does say, he says, listen, we know all about, you know, hot versus cold plates. Don't think you've discovered anything new. This decision has been made. Uh, He says it was a financial decision. And... Uh, is like, but this shouldn't just be about money. And Andrews says, you've got a lot to learn. Uh, Cut
0: to the library. <laughs> right. So Where learning like, happens. Yeah.
1: He goes to the library, checks out a book on office politics, and gets cracking. Um, I, I will say Andrews has a point to this extent that they're working for a private company. Oh, yeah. It's all about money. It is. Like, you know their ship sinking and killing everyone aboard will cost them a lot of money, so it's worth preventing for that reason. Right. But they have no other purpose but to make money. Yes. Um, in any case, yes, Mira is studying up on something that's ca- crossed his mind, and uh, Jägermeister drops by the library, like you do. Mm-hmm. You never know when you might meet somebody there.
0: Oh, Jägermeister, no.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, she is
0: a journalist. She is.
1: She knows how to find people.
0: And this is one of the worst written scenes.
1: It It is.
0: And it's not just her performance. It's, they have this whole exchange about Brunel.
1: Uh-huh. Brunel? Br-
0: God, we are having a horrible time with names on this one. Yes.
1: Famed civil engineer, it would seem.
0: Anyway, like, he, like... Exposits all this stuff She's like I know who Brunel is And like You definitely get the sense That they definitely Were banging for a while You do uh, So it's like Of course he would know That she knows Who Brunel is Like Right And cause he Up until this point He is not the kind of guy Who's gonna like Lord his education Over anybody
1: Yeah A bit of mansplaining Going on Yeah
0: there. And she's not gonna Put up with it is, Right It's you know What the vestiges Of Nev Campbell's <laughs> Acting ability Are trying to tell us Right Um but yeah, so they've definitely got, you know, a romantic history together yeah. and it's unclear exactly what that is, but you know, things didn't end badly. Yeah. Or maybe they are still going on, but there's it's, a mustache between them. It's, <laughs> like <laughs> It is really
1: hard to say, and they both kind of seem like seventy years old in this scene. Yeah, they do. Like just very odd. Yeah. Well, it's the day you've all been waiting for. What
0: day is that?
1: Keel laying day.
0: Hooray! Yeah. <laughs> Hope the demons don't get us.
1: <laughs> not after today. They can't.
0: <laughs> not the demons of rivets past, present, and future.
1: <laughs> yep. Uh, JP Noth is uh, not happy as they come along. He wants to know why there aren't more people there, that it should be more of a spectacle. And they're like, oh, this is just more of a tradition thing. It's not really, it's it's not trying to be a big deal here. Well, and
0: here's what I don't get. If his, like, isn't that technically the press liaison's job well like even like she said she mentions like i have the new york press here but like shouldn't you also be responsible for contacting the london press
1: well but i don't think that it's the press that he's so concerned about he wants there to just be a crowd of yeah a Mm. cheering throng i think was that was the impression i got well because he says (laughs) you know he wants it to be a spectacle and he wants everyone to know about it well maybe
0: he should have said something beforehand and not the day of the fabled keel Lang ceremony (laughs)
1: Is, uh, look, he was busy.
0: Those rivet demons are going to be torturing him tonight.
1: <laughs> that, that they will. Um, yeah, but he, how he wants the ship to be like a legend. And by the time it's built, people want to sail in it just to say they have.
0: And, and then it'll last a thousand years. Right. I, my only regret in life <laughs> is that I'm not going to be alive a thousand years from the time Titanic <laughs> sailed. Uh, what's that going to be? 21, 12 I think twelve. Damn it! I'm so bad at math. It's okay. Uh, it's a pretty simple math problem, Tom. It's mostly zeros. Yeah. Anyway, what would be? yeah. But like, will people still be talking about that?
1: Twenty-nine, thirteen, twenty-nine, twelve. Oh God. Yeah.
0: Wow. I definitely won't be around then. It's a thousand years, Kelly. <laughs> I again bad at math. <laughs>
1: But yes. No, it is It is actually somewhat an interesting question. And one thing I will say, had it not sunk, they certainly wouldn't be talking about it in a thousand oh, years. Oh, no. The fact that it did, it may stick out enough that, you know, of the five things people remember about the 20th century at that point, that might be one of them. It's possible. But I'm, I'm not sure. In any case, the key, the last section of the keel is laid. The demons fade away. Shaking their fists in vain. (laughs) No! (laughs) There's... uh, There's genteel applause (laughs) among the gathered... Yeah, not from the demons. Right. They're upset. (laughs) Um, From the gathered dignitaries. Uh, And then there's... uh, uh, Nev gathers uh, Derek Jacoby and J.P. Noth and I think maybe one or two others for a photograph... Uh, which, the thing that struck me as odd about it is, like, why don't you rotate that picture around and get the keel in the background? It's the keel-laying ceremony. Dude. Come on.
0: People did not understand about the press at all back then.
1: I should be a press liaison in the early 1900s.
0: A hundred years too late, babe. Just like everything.
1: (laughs) I would be great.
0: But would you know then what you know now?
1: Uh, no. Well? Uh, I would be terrible. I feel like there was much more, like... Uh, physical violence involved in press liaising at that point. (laughs)
0: Which
1: is not my thing. I'm I'm more of a lover. You're just lazy. Oh, that's what it is. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then uh, Mir, who is talking to Kitty Carlton, stops talking to her because he sees an old guy and they lock eyes across the crowd and the old guy leaves and Mir is like, oh, oh, sorry, just saw an old boyfriend. Let's... (laughs)
0: Uh, look, it's clearly his father. Clearly
1: his father. Clearly
0: who he was looking for yes. when he went back to Prostitute's Row. <laughs> his father's been like, "I heard you stopped
1: by. Wouldn't you stay? Oh yeah, that's my new wife. <laughs> She's sixteen. We have five kids together. What do you want? It's Belfast.
0: You left. <laughs> <laughs> We're poor." <laughs> Uh, he was going to go place a coin on the keel. Oh, right. Which is an old shipbuilder superstition. And, yeah. and he's like, oh, I didn't take you for a superstitious man. And he's like, well, I didn't take you for a, you know, little tart. But here we all are.
1: <laughs> yeah. that <Damn> act- gypsy. <laughs> Yeah. That actually is to keep the demon's away.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that is uh, the first episode. Mm-hmm. Definitely some interesting places to go. Yeah. Looking forward to episode two.
1: Yeah. Uh, you'll note that we only covered one episode. Uh, you know, maybe we'll keep only doing one. Maybe we'll lump two together at some point. Uh, we don't really know.
0: Yeah. We're as unpredictable as Mark Muir.
1: <laughs> Who we are. You never
0: know what we're going to talk about at a fancy party. <laughs> so uh, we'll definitely be covering episode two next episode.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: and so until next time, up, up
1: yours downstairs.
0: downstairs, luncheon out.